All right, Darian, I want to start with uh, why we have a podcast, which... Uh, I've been trying to figure that one out. <laughs> um, so we, we have this sort of mission statement that uh, there's complex things going on in the world. There's things that uh, it would, would really suit people to understand these sort of complex technological dramas that are playing out and even understand that these things are dramas. That's a um, horrible mission statement, by the way. Nope. No good. Okay. Let's scrap that. Um, <laughs> how about how about how we make our technology and how our technology makes us? Right. Right. You are made by technology, people. So <laughs> it would it would suit you to have uh, a couple know-it-alls spouting trivia about what exactly the technology is and the sort of implicit narratives that you're, or stories that, that are unfolding in, right. in these sort right. of technological worlds. Um, I did not think when we started this last year that we would suddenly be engulfed in a moment in which literally those technologies are front page sort of scintillating nearly uh, Watergate-style news. Um and yet, this is the moment we find ourselves in. Right, right. I assume you're referring to none other than Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, and I mean, think about those two words. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice place to start right there. Right, like it's a sex scandal or, you know, like Iran-Contra sending weapons to rebels or weapons of mass destruction, right? Like past political scandals did not involve a dusty old British institution and the made-up word analytica. It sounds, it sounds Latin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, although it, it doesn't seem like a real declension. It's like, it's like pig Latin. It's like <laughs> somebody pretending to be smart, which I think is part of what's going on here. Ah, oh, I like it. So, yeah, uh, ground this thing for me then in um, our, our thesis of this podcast, which is what's the deal with the story around Cambridge Analytics such that we should talk about it? Yes. And here's what I want to do. <laughs> this is All, my right. All right. We're, we're getting there. Bear with us. Bear with us, listeners. Oh, man. Don't worry. If you thought this was too exciting, I am here to make it less so. (laughs) (laughs) If this felt scandalous and sordid, wait until we water this thing down with ancient British literature. But that's exactly right. I think that... that And even British literature. Yeah. Well, I mean, the British one might call it that. (laughs) But um, people hear things like bribing politicians with Ukrainian prostitutes. And they think, oh, that's what's going on. You right. know, that's, that's sordid. It, it's caught on camera. <laughs> it's a thing that's happening. Allegedly. Yeah. And, and in a way, it's like we, our job, I think, today in this episode is to make you realize that there's a sort of spectrum. It's almost like a circle. On one end of the circle is like underhanded political blackmail and Ukrainian prostitutes. And then you circle away from that and things get more and more boring and data crunching and nebulous. And then it circles back and you're like, or is this the end of civilization? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying if you follow, if you follow kind of a boring analyst far enough in the extreme, you end up with uh, paying prostitutes for um, political scandal purposes. And yes, and undermining world governments. Right. Not the normal kind of sleazy, keep it in your pants way, which is certainly, a, a, a you know, they call prostitution the oldest profession for a reason, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> and blackmail the second oldest profession? 
I assume that's happened soon, like within a week. Of the other <laughs> yeah. Nice, uh, strong, strongly correlative. Yeah, but there's another thing: this kind of data analytics, which is happening, which is the far more shocking, and it just is serendipitously paired <laughs> with with this, uh, you know, this sexy scandalous thing. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm selling to you. And so last time we talked about predictive analytics, I talked about Oedipus Rex, Sophocles' first play of the Theban trilogy, in which Oedipus, in case you didn't listen to that episode, uh, kills his father and then uh, has several children with his mother before finding out that he's done so and ripping his own eyes out while his mother hung, hangs herself, right? So Right. Yeah, so I was like, that's, uh, and that one, we were we were attaching a... a uh, an exciting story with incest and murder and mystery to perhaps a little bit of a dry subject, p- predictive analytics. Right. Well, I have a gift for all of you. <laughs> Go on. Well, we're still waiting for it. So- <laughs> Sophocles was not done at Oedipus Rex. <laughs> Although many of the freshmen who read him were. Yeah. <laughs> Sophocles was like, this story about prediction and how the future uh, is borne out is part of a trilogy. Ooh. And the second I wonder if he event, knew that before he started. Yeah, well, he did because nobody actually created anything back then. It was uh, most of the people who wrote plays were actually adapting myth cycles that preexisted their writing. I like um, that you just called Sophocles derivative. Yeah. <laughs> well, the derivative, derivative is, is like, it's such a late 18th century concept. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle you back. Otherwise, we'll never get to the point. Yes. So, because if, if we go into the 18th century concept of derivation, we will. Uh... <laughs> That's the romantics and copyright law. We don't need to go into that at all. Um, or yet. Yeah. Ooh, teasing our next episode. <laughs> the romantics <laughs> and copyright law. He writes this next play called Oedipus at Colonus, which is what happens after Oedipus Rex. When mm-hmm. uh, Oedipus's daughters are leading him around blind, um, and and he's sort of accepted fate, right? If if what happens in the first play is that he fights fate, his father fights fate. My son is not going mm-hmm. to kill me because I'm going to pierce his ankles and leave him on a mountain to die. Um, Oedipus has accepted fate now, and I mm-hmm. think this is really interesting. If you change fate to like algorithmic prediction then suddenly you end up in our political moment. That hmm. what do we think once the machines are so good that they can manipulate and predetermine an outcome? Um, right. Which is Do we walk around like a, a blind ex-king being led by his uh, daughters waiting until we... Um, well, I guess, I guess if I recall anything about Oedipus at Colonus, and I'm pretty sure the only thing I recall about is that nothing actually happens in Oedipus at Colonus, <laughs> is that we just basically sit around bemoaning our fate and waiting for to kind of run out our days. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is like the definition of anticlimactic. Like he comes in and he's like, I, there's a prediction that I'm going to die at the end of this. And then nothing happens. And then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Sophocles was clearly, clearly mining a pretty dry well at that point. Yeah. With, uh... <laughs> Although it is also in, in many ways a story about democracy. Hmm. That's that's how it made it through thousands of years, I suppose. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's kind it's of it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, Moby Dick, where you're like, well, we're glad it exists, and so we don't have to read it. Yeah. Aww. Um, actually, I have my own opinions on Moby Dick, which is actually much better than you would think. But um, you know what? No, what we haven't done yet. What? 
Let's start off by just let's just take us into the intro. Hi, this is Darian Bates. And this is Dr. Tobias Wilson Bates. And this is The Stories We Tell Our Robots. It's the podcast about how we make our technology and how our technology makes us. was the intro <laughs> wow <laughs> i'm 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 just saying like normally there's a nice little place to put like the music yeah because you know you make a point um this I'm was just, just too I'm exciting just... my, my intro <laughs> was so exciting <laughs> nice. that those I'm... of us still with us at this point were you know on the nice. edge of their seat nice this is like one of those one percenters it'll uh <laughs> it'll it'll work for one percent of our audience but boy they really appreciate it um well, all right. Well, so Oedipus at Colonus. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to completely disentangle uh, what we're talking about, but um, or kind of the 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 intertwining. And I'm just going to let you kind of kind of drop the dimes as we go on like how this all relates. But why don't I just start off talking about a couple interesting things that I sort of see in the um, uh, Cambridge Analytica story that mm-hmm. I think is really kind of related to what we talked about before. In that the last time we talked about sort of sort of social media and this predictive analytics and everything, we talked about it essentially as being just echoes of past um, media channels mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and I'm actually going to, I'm going to make this um, point again, hopefully in a more interesting way. Um, starting off with, you know, Ross Douthat for the New York Times, who um, I don't always agree with, but occasionally has a, has an interesting point. I had an article, um, we are recording this on the 21st. Um, and so I guess he had the article today or the 20th sometime around then. And he said, um, you know, we want they want to th- everyone who wants to throw the blame for Trump's winning on um, social media and and Cambridge Analytica is kind of is kind of an extension of that. People are kind of pulling out another kind of boogeyman in this whole social media, Facebook, all of that really led to kind of this this, you know, overwhelming shift in the tide and why this why this person who Ross Dothet doesn't seem to think should be president is president. Um, and he says, you know, what? actually, I, I, I'm going to lay this all at the feet of traditional media, television. Television hmm. is why this 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 guy is um, um, president, not social media. And he really he then kind of goes through and and tries to poke a hole in the balloon around kind of what, you know, all the hyperventilation around Cambridge Analytica. Um, And he really doesn't, I don't think takes, he doesn't take a hard kind of logical pass at trying to do that. He actually just does much more of a kind of a takedown on the responsibilities of how TV kind of built up Trump as this mythological super businessman, and then has essentially um, kind of surfed him along into the Oval Office. Um, And I I think it's actually a really valid point. not so much that um, Cambridge Analytica didn't do anything, although that's also a, a, a point I'd like to talk about, but just the fact that in our hyperventilation about what's going on on social media um, and all this kind of impact of predictive analytics, it's like we've kind of ignored the fact that the majority of people who went and voted for um, Trump and seemed to have their um, minds in some ways swayed to vote for him aren't even necessarily big social media users. 
like the older white crowd that has allegedly pushed him into office, they really get a lot of their news from TV still. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there, there's a bit of a whataboutism about his argument, mm. um, which I think is in some ways more dangerous than the than the first phenomena. And I, I think mm. it's really interesting. This actually lines up well with Oedipus at Colonus, because one of the things that he's always trying to do in that play is absolve himself of blame. He's like, look, I can't be blamed for killing my father or having incest uh. with my mother because this was the fates. Right. Like, in a way, I was just carrying out the process of fate here. I right. I am not responsible for these accident, actions because as long as you have fate, you don't have responsibility. Interesting. Ah, so now I'm starting to see, I'm starting to understand your point. This idea that if Oedipus at Colonus is really this kind of post-event um, unearthing of all the stuff that goes, that that happened and how the fates, aka predictions of the analytics themselves, were going to lead us down this path. Um, or the predictive analytics that were being used by places like Cambridge Analytica, um, we're now just kind of uh, recapping. I mean, yeah, adjudicating. And, and, and re-adjudicating. Everybody's sort of juggling this hot potato of responsibility. I was just into an interview this morning with a psychologist who got the information from Facebook and then passed it on to Cambridge Analytica, and was like, mm. "I never received any money for this." All the money right. in the project went to people who were taking these little tests on Facebook. Really, this is half the responsibility of Facebook like, and half mm-hmm. the responsibility of Cambridge Analytica. I'm just an innocent little academic here in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's what's so interesting, I feel like, about this whole this ecosystem of analytics in general is this idea that um, kind of the ownership of responsibility in some ways, keeps getting sublimated up to some other party and at times even up to the fates themselves, right? Like, well, yeah. this was going to happen, right? <laughs> we we were predicting, but we weren't um, changing. Or yeah, we were, exactly. you know, it's... And one of the interesting points is that Cambridge Analytica was originally hired by Ted Cruz mm-hmm. and obviously failed at their job. Right. <laughs> you know, or, right. or, you know, but it's very hard to tell because you're like, well, would he have done even worse if he hadn't hired them? Did he do as well as he could have done, given the fact uh, that Ted Cruz uh, is perhaps a dislikable individual? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, politics aside, I just feel like that is a man who who is is just unappealing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Forget his politics. Just take his voice in his face. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, so this this actually gets me to a, a kind of a second point, and it actually, um, I had an interesting conversation over this past summer with someone who was who was um, kind of going on about well, what do we do about all this kind of fake news? The back when we talked about fake news, um, which as the thing that was actually faked rather than fake news now is like the real news that we don't like. Um, no, but this, this spread of kind of false information and the, the conversation we really got into was this question of, well, is that worse than this kind of more monolithic media environment that we had in the 1950s? Isn't that in some ways more distressing? This, like the idea that you only have five channels, isn't that actually much more troubling when it comes to spreading of an interested point of view when you basically have a a huge share of eyeballs. Um, and 
there were arguments that were made, being made back then by advertisers. Congress was starting to eye the impact of some of these advertising techniques and, and like, well, we're kind of uncomfortable about how impactful this is. And so the, the industry itself started to kind of self-regulate to kind of keep Congress at bay. And during that time, the the industry started doing kind of speaking out of both sides of its mouth in this really interesting dance that I think is really relevant here, which mm-hmm. is they, on the one hand, anytime they were speaking to um, clients, they would say, "Look, we can we can alter consumer behavior. We can change things. We can make them. We can we can we 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 make society function a certain way, and they will buy your products." And then they would turn around and uh, tell lawmakers. Um, yeah, you know, we really just, we don't really impact anything. We just make sure that we connect clients, you know, customers to goods. And we're really just surfing along kind of the cultural um, trends. And we just, and so it's like, whether you're talking to kind of cust- um, potential customers or Congress, you have a two, two, excuse me, two totally different ways of talking about your impact. And I feel like we're now kind of seeing that same thing around Cambridge Analytica, where on the one hand, you have all these people saying, um, or Cambridge Analytica specifically saying, like, look at the impact that we can have. We can do so much. We can impact so much. And um, and to the point where they end up in a video, in some ways, talking about things that are not at all analytics. <laughs> um, but then on the other side, as things are starting to hit the fan, it's like, well, no, no, it's just, it's just analytics. It's just, you know, it's just data. It's not really no different than anything else that's sort of standard and kind of in this uh, kind of marketing world. Yeah, and, and what I think is so fascinating about this too is that take that thing that you just said and copy-paste that to that's what the academic involved is saying. Yep. That's what Facebook is saying. That's what the Trump campaign is saying. And mm-hmm. like the number two at Cambridge Analytica was hired right out of the data, uh, the data section of Obama's campaign. Like, mm-hmm. it, there's all these ways in which like, Oh well, it's just the fates, or it's just society, right. or this doesn't even work, or you know, it, like there's there, there's such a like an impulse towards each of these people saying kind of nothing happened, and I I, I love it for like uh, maybe like whatever a, a sort of short version of this. If you could explain what the product uh, of a psychographic actually is, ah, <laughs> it's funny that I've been writing that term psychographic on briefs since I was 22 years old. Um, which is which is really funny to me because in some ways it's just shorthand for the way people think right it's just it's just these groupings we often talk about like psychographic profiles these relevant groupings of kind of thinking characteristics that would indicate that somebody would either indicate or um that somebody well would either indicate that somebody would think a certain way or would make somebody receptive to a certain thing that could get them a to think a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a that psychographic profile um, is often kind of composed of all these little kind of distinguishable traits. And what I mean by distinguishable traits is there's some sort of data point that might say, ah, that indicates that person thinks in that direction, right? So, and that's different than a behavioral characteristic mm-hmm. um, that they do a certain thing. A psychographic profile says, well, they think a certain way, and those are those are. I think relevant in uh, the difference between those things are sort of relevant in that um, the traditional targeting. And when you think about those kind of um, there, you know, there used to be all these studies that weren't doing that, that were trying to do some or making some sort of claim of psychography um, 
by kind of putting together this suite of like products that the, that some consumer segment tended to buy, if you will. So there are fur coats on Volvos. They're fur coats and Volvo people, right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. your segment would be kind of distinguished in a certain way. A lot of that was because that was what you had access to understanding about people. This right. person those, bought those are the only v- data points that would show up is that this person buys cigars and shotguns. Right, right. Cigars and shotgun person. All right, I know. They're they're ready for hungry man meals, says Campbell right. Soup. Um, and then you'd like, but put, meanwhile, you, if, then you'd like put cigars in your gun store because right. this pattern is is meaningful to your business. Exactly. But as we get more and more information that is that are like things that are people are are clicking a button that says they like something, or that they are posting photos of that are now readable as certain elements, um, we can now start identifying deeper level details that we can now claim get closer and closer to this concept of what people think, not just what they're doing, what they're thinking. And that's the claim of, I mean, that's the claim of a lot of people, frankly, that are using these kinds of data points that go beyond just kind of these demographic data points or um, behavioral data points, and they're going into kind of psychographic data points. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's helpful, but I do think that takes me to kind of a third point, which is, you know, when I first saw the Cambridge Analytica, you know, they've been kind of bouncing around kind of the news a little bit recently. You know, they've been like, you know, they'd kind of, they kind of, they've been, they've been tagged with a little bit of a potential controversy a couple months ago, but then, then they, um, this, then it really hit just recently with this whole idea of illegally getting or potentially illegally getting and storing data. And I'm not yeah. even I'm not even clear whether it's illegal so much as just sort of unethically. Yeah, um, and and also from the I, I read a piece by there's this former Facebook security guy who's been kind of kicking around for the last 5 years. Um who they always they always dig him up whenever Facebook is about to do something about to like defend itself against another thing. Um Right. And I don't mean that to sound demeaning cuz I actually think he seems really legit. Um but he's also like this isn't unique to Cambridge Analytica, Facebook's data sharing practices were awful and completely unregulated and unpoliced, like to the point where people higher up the organization were telling him, don't look at that. You don't want to see what you'll find, you know? Right, exactly. I mean, kind of the famous one is Farmville, right? it, It became, I actually have to admit, I never played Farmville. But it, it doesn't it, matter. It as long of, as you had a friend who did, they still right. got your information. Right. I mean, it was sort of the, the appeal of Farmville was fairly baffling. But the the penetration of the Farmville app into kind of the the huge network of data that's out there was just um, I mean, like, that used to be what you what you just assumed was happening with the apps. You're just like, yep, I guess I guess I'm fully exposed. And there was a lot of sort of tinfoil hat sounding um, language that people were using at the time. I was like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't friend people, I don't do this. All of which turns out to be fairly um, prescient, frankly, in terms, in terms of people really were scraping the data that deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was such like a use it at your own risk kind of element to social media. What I want from you uh, in another like quick handle blurb is why are psychographics not necessarily the most horrible thing ever? Well, and I, you know, I was going to, that's actually exactly where I was going, so thank you for getting me back on that track. Um, what what grabbed me about the Cambridge Analytica scandal was I read the headline, and I'm just like, I had this moment of like, 
I had to, I jumped into the article really quickly. I'm like, oh no, is something I'm working on right now illegal? Because the fact, <laughs> fact is, <laughs> happens to me all the time. Right. <laughs> Wait, is my is my choice of life profession um, against the law? Um, no, but I I had this reaction, which was. Um, the scandal of Cambridge Analytica was that they were accessing data without permission and possibly against Facebook's rules. The real scandal of Cambridge Analytica is that they were doing something that pretty much everybody is doing. Um, and I don't mean that in terms of harvesting data. I mean doing predictive analytics on information that they can glean about people from a variety of sources, right? The, the things that they can claim to do, which is to essentially claim to manipulate behavior, actions, thinking, whatever, by using this huge trove of data that is now being collected on everybody in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And so the scandal, the Facebook aspect and the, and the illegal access to data data or the potentially unlawful access to data is the official scandal. The, the hyperventilation is actually around what is now becoming sort of standard practice in, in predictive business systems. So I, I find that really interesting is that people are really, um, people, are really people are really anxious not about the scandal but about the totally legal aspect of the whole um, venture or endeavor or misbehavior or whatever. The idea of psychographic, using psychographic information or providing psychographic profiles that would then be used to influence behavior is for all intents and purposes what advertising has been doing for a century or longer. And using the data to do it is what we've been doing for the past 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And what makes this actually something that can like hook on to a front page you know scandal continuously is that this ceo has like hooked ukrainian prostitutes right <laughs> into right. the idea like yeah. maybe yeah. then people will think that we're doing something that's really important yeah yeah i feel like it's like a it's like a like a james bond villain being like all right, like turn on the ray that will control everybody's mind. And while we're doing that, let's let's lower this small girl into a pool of acid. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, so didn't, exactly. Didn't really understand the first thing that you're doing, but the second thing is bad, capital B. Right, <laughs> right exactly. If, this is, if, if you don't see me as a supervillain yet, yeah. let me just <laughs> let me figure out how to make sure you see me as one. Cartoonishly. Um, and what's interesting, so... Yeah. Just to, to hook this back to Oedipus at Colonus. So Oedipus, he runs off, uh, goes off with his daughters. He's not running because he's blind. And, and he winds up in Athens, which is, of course, the seat of democracy, which is also where Sophocles is from. So um, with this guy Theseus and sort of the punchline of the play is like, look, you're not going to escape fate. The best thing you can do is have a really well-regulated democracy because at least that will save you from war, which is then what's happening mm. in Thebes. Mm hmm. And so like, I, I wonder if this is the same punchline in a, in a sort of way Hmm. that we can't we can't escape the fate that our predictive analytics and all our our enterprise AI systems are uh, are gearing up for us. But at least we can put in regulation. Is, is that is Oedipus at Colonus your 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 long winded push for for more regulated <laughs> use of uh, 
Yeah, and whatever systems. that whatever that kind of regulation means. What I, what I think mm-hmm. is really interesting is like, and what I think of as like the the gargantuan like trillion dollar canary in the coal mine. Um, is Facebook going to survive the next five years? And if so, what's it going to yeah. look like at the end of that period? Yeah, that's a, oh gosh, that's an interesting one. Um, and anytime someone says, "Oh, that's an interesting one," you know that they actually have nothing of any substance to add to that, <laughs> but they find it interesting. Um, well, I mean, gosh, uh, I c- does rather than than answering that really complicated, intricate, predictive question, should we just pose it in the clumsiest way possible? Oh, to a to one to ten scale, do you think? <laughs> um, Cambridge Analytics. Let's let's just be as specific as possible. This company. Oh wait, wait, wait. no, wait. We gotta we gotta walk that back in a second. You have you've yet to say Apocalypse of Utopia. Oh, oops. Yeah. Apocalypse or Utopia. All right, proceed. Cambridge Analytics, the the event and to some degree the company is the effect potentially leading towards apocalypse or utopia. Ten being, of course, utopia, one being apocalypse. So the event of Cambridge Analytics, the fact that Cambridge Analytics did what it did or has become a scandal? Uh, you can take that out, whatever lets you pick a nice right. number. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, I'm going to say, yeah, let's just, let's just take this whole event. Let's just take this whole kind of kerfuffle um, as whether this is. Um, ooh, here's a here's an here's a predictive analyst question for you. Is it leading it or is it um, uh, predicting a. Uh, um, yeah. Is it. Is yes. it right. Oh, it's right. like you're, you're stealing my ideas as I'm having them. <laughs> nice nice that's that's what it's like being an older brother um <laughs> all right well let me let me let me start and i'll say ooh, you know what hmm uh hmm do you want me to jump in take me in take yeah me why in. don't you, do you, you you go first i'm gonna say an eight this is so, <laughs> so exciting and be, for, for those of you out there <laughs> Following you are, along, you really run your... into the bookstore to get Oedipus at Colonus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, those, for those of you following along in your Oxford World's Classic version of Oedipus at Colonus, um, <laughs> ultimately, what that play has to offer is this relationship to the humanities, uh, which we can talk about in another podcast. But it's this, this sort of uh, it's sort of law. It's Athenian law. It's the idea of justice and order, and sort of. Uh, uh, coupled with fate is necessarily the sort of divine sense of justice and that mm. part of what Oedipus allows us in his in his like magnificently human perverted scandalous way what he allows us to do is enter into an incredibly difficult conversation um, via a, a way that people can connect to instantly I mean, this is why Freud bases the sort of so far as I can tell both Levi Strauss and Freud are both obsessed with this Oedipal mythology um, because it's so accessible. If you were like, mm-hmm. if, if, if there was something that you would be like, uh, would you rather kill yourself or have multiple children with your own mother? <laughs> you know, <laughs> would you rip out your own eyes to not do that? Right? Like, it's like, right. That's that's deep. <laughs> like incest and patricide. <laughs> that, that, that is some deep stuff. And so it's like, okay, great. Take that most salacious story possible and just hook it up 
to the most important sort of ethical dilemmas of our civilization. Hmm. And hmm. I think Cambridge Analytica and the Ukrainian prostitutes that have been gifted to this, <laughs> this <laughs> scandal, um, it, it, it is exactly that. It, it's like in a way that Equifax didn't do, in a way that mm, all the earlier so, breaches that Facebook didn't uh, do, this actually gets people thinking about, uh, wait, was a crime committed? Like, uh, All right, all right. I, 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 I think 40 minutes into the podcast, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, by, making the, by making the dry scandal as sordid as Cambridge Analytica has managed to make it. Yeah. They, they have essentially hooked salacious, scandalous, discernible, legible scandal details to something that might otherwise be largely overlooked. And in, and in doing so, brought a different kind of attention and perhaps, um, yeah, you could say, I guess... I mean, eventually, perhaps regulation to a system that you feel you feel perhaps is maybe a little bit out of bounds. Yeah. If you were like, how would you feel if someone recorded you with a Ukrainian prostitute and then used that information to manipulate you? You're like, I feel pretty bad. It's like, well, that's basically what Facebook has been doing to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you might be mischaracterizing what facebook has been doing to you but um oh, but, but that, your point is that's well what taken. facebook has been making available for someone to do to you right right so and and now that i understand what we've been talking about um <laughs> um yeah then I'm, I'm actually gonna not that i'm not that i'm like trying to make this a whole like he said he said opposite parts of a polarity kind of approach but um that that is absolutely yeah, that, like the shtick of our podcast. No, you know what? We're, we're we. I like to every once in a while puncture that in order to allow us to continue making that shtick without telling people. Oh right, sorry, erase that last. Yeah, bit. shh. That's our subtext. Um. Yeah, I'm actually gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go a solid three on this. Hmm. Um. And so here's the reason is because there's a lot of baby in that bathwater that's I think is in the process of maybe being thrown out. Mm, um, that is gross. And I and I'm concerned about that. Um, I like my baby is now as being this like this. <laughs> there's a lot of baby in that bathwater. Yeah, I was about to say like <laughs> partitioning the baby seems like something grotesque <laughs> has happened already in that bath. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I, there's. There's so many, I what I would argue as being really good things that is possible or that are possible through um, what Facebook and, and other systems like them are offering. Mm. Um, and one of them, and, and some of them even involve advertising. Um, so for example, like let's say I run a, a interesting service of some sort that very few people Let's say I make I make quirky, you know, things out of bottle tops, um, little pins or something that that people really like but don't have, um, and I'm great at it. Actually, let me let me use a specific example. We have a I, we have a actually I don't know if you know her. We, she went to college um, in my time to the same college we went to, and um, 
makes these amazing, amazing uh, hand-tooled leather masks. Like they're like, sometimes they're like just glorious. I mean, they're really, really beautiful. I'll, I'll, I'll call her out. Jolene Schaefer. Um, I think her Platymorph, I think is her. She has like an Etsy shop for this. Right. And she just makes these amazing masks. And she lives in like South Dakota. And she is she is um, an amazing odd duck. And the ability for someone like that to be able to I'm not saying that she uses Facebook advertising or not, but the ability of someone like that to be able to more efficiently identify people kind of across the country um, and reach them with that kind of like that kind of the people who would be right for that. Right. There's there's something really efficient and really effective about making that um, connection now possible. And we, f- we take it for granted that that's now cap- we're now capable of that. And just because it is being misused, I'm worried that by attaching it to these kind of salacious details, the whole thing is going to start becoming very sordid. And the kind of controls that are going to be put in place are going to be kind of egregiously overprotective to the point where, um, and we talked about this before around, um, around regulations, where it actually crowds out the very people who are disempowered or the least powerful people in this process. And so I, I actually somehow feel like the reaction, the overreaction to the Cambridge Analytica quote scandal is going to end up being a dampening on the very kind of efficient um, systems that are really helping us connect. And I know I sound like Mark Zuckerberg's like PR person for a second, but really <laughs> allowing us to connect in uh, impactful, effective, and maybe world-changing ways. So I'm not saying that there shouldn't be regulation on it. I think because it's been attached in this way to something quite this salacious and quite this political, that there's nobody's going to be thinking rationally about it. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, this, this is what's uh, so, I mean compelling about the whole thing it really seems like it could go either way uh that's right here. and i i am so impressed with us <laughs> <laughs> oh are, are you <laughs> i just i like i i admit when i first read oedipus at colonus i'm like well this this is maybe the most boring thing i've read i i feel so energized about oedipus at colonus at this point i think we've done it i think <laughs> We've suddenly made Oedipus at Colonus, if not accessible, at least partially relevant? Question mark? Upspeak? Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, whether we've succeeded or not, we're going to go. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. We've got two great pods coming up. I'm not sure which one will come out first. Uh, we've got a uh, one coming up uh, about Can Robots Make Art? And then we have episode two of our Two Guys in a Garage. Um uh, all about the concept of failure in a startup. Yeah. So teaser, look forward to both of those. The episode already failed. <laughs> we did record it the other day. You had like the worst like sounding sore throat ever. And we just decided that this will be the story of the failure of that episode as we talk about the next one. So, and on that note, uh, I will talk to you uh, next time. All right. Love you, man. I <laughs> love you too. Bye. Bye.